0: Well, good morning, Sailorville Church. Good to see all you guys. I bring greetings from South Des Moines. My name is Josh Daggett. I'm the lead pastor at Living Waters Fellowship, and we are so grateful to be your preacher for the morning. Uh, I've had an awesome morning already, and I'm excited to preach God's word uh, to you. Sailorville helped start Living Waters in 2008, and a lot of things have happened since then, but one thing remains the same, and that is our... Gratitude to Sailorville Church for your love for the gospel and your love for us. You helped us start the church, and by God's grace, we have been so blessed by you over the years. So, um, from staff and pastors, you know, Pat and Abe and Jason and Lisa and Curtis and all the, I mean, there's so many staff here. Um, It's so good. And then all of the congregation, you guys have been amazing this morning just with your love and your encouragement. Uh, towards me and towards Living Waters. And we thank God for you guys. We love you. And uh, I I wanna give you a little update of what's going on down south in South Des Moines. Just wanna help you understand a little bit of our story. So I thought, how do I do that? I think the best way to do that is just with a series of numbers. And and those numbers, I'll explain each one as we go. So I got the numbers 2.2, 13, 515, and two. All right, And so I'll help you understand those things. 2.2 stands for millions of dollars raised towards the purchase and renovation of our church home in South Des Moines. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's good. So by the grace of God, we bought a, a grocery store, debt-free, because in South Des Moines, you can do stuff like that. You can buy grocery stores in South Des Moines. You can totally do that. And so we bought a fairway Salvation aisle six, ha 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 ha. ha right, um, but but to God be the glory, and you guys had a huge part in that. In fact, I have a picture here from March twenty seventh, two thousand twenty. This is Pastor Pat three years ago, uh, giving me a check for hundred thousand dollars from your church, and this was, if you notice the date, March twenty seventh. That was one month. Before we closed on the property, and that was also while this thing called COVID was breaking out. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but you guys have meant so much to us, and to to God be the glory. Our renovation continues. We're on our last phase of renovation. We don't owe one penny on that property to the glory of God. My next number is 13. 13 different countries are represented in our congregation. And we give God the glory for that. The nations are at our doorstep, and we absolutely dig it. We love it. We're so thankful. So I just want to give you one picture. This is a gal named Kashindi Lalungu, and Kashindi has an amazing story of salvation. And she's from the Congo, and we got to baptize her uh, just a few weeks ago. And that was our first Congolese baptism, and all God's people said, Amen, amen for the Congo, right? That's awesome. So God has been really good to us and uh, we, we love that the nations are right in our neighborhood. And I could go on and on, but we gotta move on. 515, that's your next number. That was the attendance number at our Easter services this last year, just a few months ago. We give God all the glory. Things have not slowed down since Easter. Things are cranking up at Living Waters. And if you guys think about us down south, just pray for us. We, there are so many open doors and so many opportunities to share Jesus with so many people. Um, we're the right church at the right time in the right neighborhood for the glory of God. We give God all the glory, but just pray for us, would you? That we'd be wise in how we steward the opportunities that we are being given right now. It is totally amazing, and God is really good. In fact, this morning, a guy that I led to Christ eight years ago Preach the word at Living Waters this morning. That is so cool. So praise the Lord for that. My last number is two. And that number stands for the people that were saved at our church last Sunday morning. So glory to God for that. There was a gal that got saved and a guy that got saved. The guy that got saved is a young man who converted to Christianity from Buddhism. So hallelujah, And we're seeing some amazing things happen. We're trying to make all these connections cross-culturally. But you can pray for braden That's his name. Pray that God would be stirring in his life to bear much fruit for the kingdom. And uh, we're having opportunities to share Christ with his family, uh, even this week, who are all Buddhist. And uh, we're trusting God for great things. So to God be the glory for all of that. I just preached on Herod last week, you know, and he didn't give God glory, he got worms. So before I break out in worms and I fall down on the stage, to God be the glory for what he is doing. Um, Now, for the real reason we're here, the word of God, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning, Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be reading together verse 28 through 36. So Luke chapter 9 in your Bibles, if you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and open it there. We'll be reading starting in verse 28. We'll read down through verse 36. This is the word of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James. And he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared with him in glory and speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is really good that we are here let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not not knowing what he said. And all God's people said the word of God is funny at times. (laughs) And as he was saying these things, a cloud came over and overshadowed them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And after they kept silent, And they told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, you're so good to us. This word is so good for us. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the universe, transfigured before Peter, James, and John. What a glimpse, what a moment to look into the unseen realm this moment would change those apostles' lives. Lord, may it change our lives too. Lord, this is a massive thing that you are doing all over the world. Lord, in a realm that we can't see, but we know is there, your gospel marches forward. You're saving sinners. You're building up saints. You're moving your kingdom forward. Nothing will stop it. God, give us a greater understanding of this whole topic of the unseen realm. And may it lead us to Jesus Christ, his cross and his resurrection. Lord, may you do a work in our hearts. For believers, would you encourage them, strengthen them, equip them to be sanctified and growing in their walk with God. Lord, for those who are here that do not yet know Jesus, would you lead them to repentance and faith. Would you do all this for your glory in Christ's name? Amen. So our sermon series is Theology on Fire. And my, my sermon title this morning is Jesus Wins, Understanding the Unseen Realm. Jesus Wins, Understanding the Unseen Realm. Now when I say the phrase unseen realm, many things might come into your mind. Let me just clarify what I mean. When I say unseen realm, I simply mean the supernatural world that exists beyond our physical world. Um, Filled with good and evil, filled with angels and demons, light and darkness, Jesus and Satan, heaven and hell, you get the gist, et cetera, et cetera. When I say the word unseen realm, that's what I mean. And we find ourselves today in a conflict, a modern conflict. On the one hand, there's a huge disinterest in Jesus and the unseen realm. Money has con totally consumed people's priorities. Money is wrecking people. Materialism has distracted people's schedules, so materialistic that we are losing our grip. And technology has absorbed people's minds, or at least their faces, amen? Sports has warped our people's ideas of glory, We think sports is glorious, and we're losing our grip on what the Bible says about what real glory is. On the other hand, America is more obsessed than ever with the spiritual realm. We are more obsessed than ever with this spiritual stuff. Here's what I mean. TV shows and movies that have spiritual dimensions or some connection to the unseen realm are super popular right now. You can pick your TV show and movie of choice, but you can fill in the blank. Like all these things, these TV shows and movies that deal with the unseen realm are very popular these days. UFO interest has always been intriguing to our culture, but it's becoming more mainstream. And here's what I mean. After David Grush appeared before the House Oversight Committee's National Security Subcommittee on July 25th, as a UAP whistleblower, it made the headlines for a week. And in our day and age, that's a long time. Some of you watched the the video on YouTube or whatever. And you know this is becoming like more mainstream, this idea of UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, and UFOs. What about James Webb Telescope? Many of you know that telescope. It's giving us images we've never seen before about our universe. And there's this one guy, you've probably never heard of him. His name is Elon Musk. You ever heard of that guy? Between James Webb Telescope and Elon Musk, they have ramped up people's interest in space and the billions of galaxies that surround us. So people today feel conflicted, Christians especially. They don't know what to do with the gospel. People don't know what to do with the gospel right now because there's so much information coming at us all the time about this unseen realm topic. So what do we do with the gospel? Well, most people go back and forth, they swing pendulums. Have you ever swung a pendulum before in your life? Of course you have. But most people swing a pendulum between apathy, secularism, atheism, materialism, apathy about the gospel, or panicked obsession. I gotta know everything about this little rabbit trail, I gotta gotta figure it all out. As Pat talked about last week in his sermon on the Holy Spirit, he said that sometimes the Holy Spirit is referred to as the forgotten God. I would add this, that the Bible has become the forgotten book. Because most Christians have very little idea about the Bible and what it has to say about the unseen realm, and I'm here to tell you this morning that the Bible has all the essential things we need for life and godliness and a knowledge of what's going on in the unseen realm around us. You don't have to be scared of any passage in the Bible. Let me encourage you this morning. This book, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Jesus rules and reigns. Amen? And this book is beautiful to study. And the more you study, the more you will feel confidence about your theological state, state in this whole topic of the unseen realm. So regarding Jesus and the unseen realm, there's so much to discover, so much. I have 30 minutes to talk to you guys, okay? 30. I will do my best to scratch the surface of this doctrine of the unseen realm to hopefully build within you a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. I hope that this sermon launches you off into confidence where your theology is on fire for God in the unseen realm. So here's my big idea. The big idea of the passage is this. When the Bible speaks of the unseen realm, with all of its activity and all of its power, Christians need to know with 100% confidence that Jesus wins. In this realm... The unseen realm, when the Bible speaks about it with all of its activity, all of its power, Christians need to know with 100% confidence that Jesus Christ wins. And I'm going to give you four truths from Scripture to help you understand the unseen realm. And to, if you're a Christian, to feel confident in this topic as you keep getting hit day after day with all of this information that might make you doubt or might make you wonder what's going on. So truth number one is this, the unseen realm is real. The unseen realm is real. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. As an introductory point, the unseen realm is absolutely real. Take it to the bank. This is real. We're not talking about fairy tales. We are talking about a very real realm. Now, Ephesians 6 should sound familiar to you as a church. Pastor Pat preached on this very passage of scripture on January 1st of this year. And if you don't remember that sermon, go give it another listen. It's really, really good. Because he was talking about the warfare that we encounter as Christians. Ephesians 6 tells us that we are not living our lives merely in the flesh and blood arena. We are living in the arena of the heavenly realms. Paul says that Christians wrestle against rulers And authorities and cosmic powers and spiritual forces. Your life is a wrestling match. So I guess we need to give Pat a shout out for wrestling, right? I guess. As a basketball player, I hesitate. But Paul says that Christians wrestle. We wrestle against rulers and authorities and cosmic powers and spiritual forces. There's a wrestling match going on. The Bible is filled with this truth about the unseen realm. And I just want to encourage you, Jesus rules over all of it. Amen? Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 tells us that Jesus rules over all of it. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them into open shame by triumphing over them on the cross. The Bible is on fire with discussion about the unseen realm. Right From beginning to end, from cover to cover, this is a very supernatural spiritual book that has a lot of involvement with the unseen realm. What do you mean? Well, how about Lucifer and his, his failed heavenly coup? He tried to rebel against God. God threw him down. A third of the angels went with him. That's a fairly supernatural unseen realm story that is the foundation and fundamental of our faith. What about the Old Testament saints? As you read through your Old Testament You have Old Testament saints seeing visions and angels and dreams and writing about the divine council and seas parting and walls falling down and kings eating grass. Can I get a Nebuchadnezzar amen, right? And then you've got heavenly chariots coming down from heaven to get Elijah. This is crazy stuff. This is the unseen realm. This is wild. And the New Testament does not slow down at all. Saints are healing people, experiencing resurrection, sharing the gospel, seeing sinners get saved. Paul is being wrapped up into the third heaven. Have you ever read that before? That's wild stuff. And they're taking ground for Jesus. They're taking on every single worldview known to man. And they're co- proclaiming Jesus is Lord. Christos is kurios, right? That's an amazing thing. And they're willing to boldly die Jesus Christ. And certainly Jesus is the most important person of them all, coming down to earth from the unseen realm. He comes from heaven and he takes on flesh and he dwells among us. He's born of a virgin, which is a miracle if you didn't know. That's a miracle. Sinless, transfigured, crucified, risen again, ascended into heaven. This is our Jesus, the king of the unseen realm, coming to dwell among us. The unseen battle is real. The unseen realm is real. And if you have not clicked into that, if you've been so materialistic this week that you're just like, yeah, whatever, dude. It's real, you better click in. Truth number two, the unseen realm is glorious. The unseen realm is glorious. Luke chapter nine, verses 28 and 29. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took up with him Peter and John and James. And he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. This is Luke 9. We're into our story now. The unseen realm is glorious. Jesus' transfiguration is found in all three synoptic gospels. In Matthew chapter 17 and in Luke chapter 9 and in Mark chapter 9, you're going to find the same story. Now, as a new believer, I always wondered what the glowing Jesus story was about. Didn't you? Remember the first time I read about transfiguration, I'm like, what is going on? He's glowing with glory. What 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 is happening right now? And as a new Christian, I'm like, I have no idea what the purpose of that was. That was really cool, but what was the purpose? Well, Jesus is on this mountain praying, and as he's praying, his skin begins to shine with divine glory, He literally experiences a metamorphosis. That's the word in the Greek. It literally means to metamorphosize from a one object to another, right? Like a caterpillar to a butterfly. This is what happens to Jesus. And his divine nature is allowed for a few minutes to be revealed for a few amazing people, Peter, James, and John, who are sleeping, by the way. They're sleeping. This is incredible, This is the glory of God being revealed. And Jesus is not, you know, he's not reflecting glory. He's revealing glory. Do you remember Moses? He saw God, but it made his face shine and he just reflected the glory of God. They had to put a little thing, like a curtain in front of his face. Very weird. Jesus is not reflecting glory. He's revealing glory. The glory is coming up from inside of him. And in, in Matthew's gospel, it says that his face shone like the sun. Now, where are they at? They're at this mountain, most likely Mount Hermon is where they are. Now, I got a picture of it here. Mount Hermon is big and glorious. It's a really amazing mountain. And that's probably where Jesus was. There's scholarly debate on whether it's Mount Hermon or some other mountain. I like to think, it's my opinion, that it's Mount Hermon. Why do I think that? Because in the northernmost part of Israel, Mount Hermon was known for its evil, for its paganism, for its historic idolatry, its Baal worship. This place was associated with demons and forces of darkness and the occult. Jesus goes to that mountain to transfigure because I think he's got a message to send. He's sending a message to the spiritual forces of darkness that he is glorious and that he is very God of gods and he's here to win. So Michael Heiser in his excellent book on the unseen realm said this, Jesus is saying I'm putting the hostile powers of the unseen realm on notice. I've come to earth to take back what is mine. The kingdom of God is at hand. The forces of darkness were wreaking havoc in the world, and Jesus was putting them on notice. He's got plans for Peter, James, and John, too. But if you think about Superman, you know, Superman is Clark Kent. He's got his clothes on, and he does this with his shirt. I will not do that this morning. <laughs> but he does that, you know. He's running onto the scene, and it's the big S, the big Superman, and everybody who's watching the movie is like, all right, yeah, he's going he's gonna to win. That's how I think about this passage. I think Jesus begins to reveal and transfigure and i think he's showing off to the spiritual forces of darkness and the idols of baal and all the evil powers to say this is me you've lost i've won and i'm coming i think that's an amazing picture now what is he saying he's saying to these spirits these dark spirits of darkness i am the great i am john 8:58 before abraham was i am He's also saying, I'm here to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. If you've never read that verse before, read that verse. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's good. He also is saying, I'm reclaiming my creation. I am absolutely reclaiming what is mine through my death, burial, and resurrection. This is my world, not yours. Satan's the prince of the power of the air, but he's a renter. Amen. And then Jesus is saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will come back in glory, the second coming. This is a preview of the second coming. The transfiguration is this glorious appearance of Jesus and that's exactly how Christ is gonna look when he comes back through that sky to get us, amen? When you hear that trumpet sound. Now, the unseen realm is glorious in that Jesus wins. This is why church planting is so important to the Engage Network. This is why we love planting churches, because we take churches, the gospel, and we go into the darkness, amen? We go into neighborhoods that are dark. We we go into the places that need the gospel, and we shine, not our own light mainly, we shine the glorious gospel in the places of darkness, And we share the gospel with people who need the light of Christ. This is a glorious thing. This is why we plant churches. And so, a little message to Eden Church. If you're here and you're a part of Eden Church, I just want to encourage you. You are a part of something amazing. And you're going into North Des Moines, which is probably the easiest place to plant a church in the world, right? Amen? As a Southsider, I can say that. Super easy. But as you're going into North Des Moines, Eden Church, I want to encourage you. The glorious Jesus, his name and his gospel still puts Satan and demons and spiritual forces of darkness on notice. So go with confidence into North Des Moines. Absolutely blow it up with the light of Christ. And preach the gospel and go with confidence, knowing that God has sent you and Jesus is the winner. Truth number three the unseen realm is gospel centered. The unseen realm is gospel centered, verses 30 and 31. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, and they spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. The unseen realm is gospel centered. Moses and Elijah show up with Jesus in physical, glorified bodies. And all God's people said, amazing. This is mind-blowing. Moses and Elijah are so important because of who they are and who they represent. In their lives, both Moses and Elijah had strange and very supernatural exits out of this world. Very strange. Very supernatural. God buried Moses in a mountain range. He didn't get to go into the promised land. God buried him. And there was a supernatural unseen realm tussle over the body of Moses between Michael and Satan. They were tussling over the body of Moses. We know this because Jude tells us so. In Jude chapter 1 verse 9, it says that there was a there was a tussle over the body of Moses. That's a strange and supernatural exit. What about Elijah? Elijah never died. He was taken up by a chariot of fire. That is supernatural, it is strange, and it is impossible to explain by human means. And Moses represented the law, Elijah represented the prophets, and both Moses and Elijah had specific interests in hearing what Jesus was talking about. Because Jesus was talking about his cross. He was talking about the the death, burial, and resurrection with these two men. And these two men were very interested in this because their endings landed so strangely and so heartbreakingly. If you can imagine, Moses' life ended with disappointment. He was not able to enter into the promised land. What a bummer! Do you know how much that guy had to endure from the people that he led? And he, you know, he hit the rock the first time. Cool. God says, speak to the rock the second time. And Moses is like, I'm gonna go and hit the rock. It worked last time. And, and he hits the rock and God's like, you don't get to go into the promised land. I'm like, what in the world? That is a really harsh punishment for hitting a dumb rock. But he, he ends his life with disappointment. He doesn't get to usher in the kingdom of God. Let's go to the promised land. Let's usher in God's rule and reign in this new place. He doesn't get to go. He ends with disappointment. What about Elijah? Elijah's life ended with disappointment and then surprise. He thought he was going to usher in the kingdom of God. He just defeated 4,000 false prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel. What a great story. He outruns Abraham, or Ahab, To the city, how fast is this guy? We're talking Olympic gold medalist here. He's running so fast and he's thinking Jezebel is going to just bow down. The kingdom is going to be ushered in. It's going to be an amazing experience. You guys, Jezebel said, no. It took one woman. Can I get a woman amen? It took one woman to shut down this prophet and say, if you're not dead by tomorrow, then something is drastically wrong. I'm going to cut your head off. And Elijah runs into the wilderness, completely disillusioned, discouraged. He asked God to take his life. God, just take me home. He thought he was going to usher in the kingdom. He didn't get to do it. So God has to nurse him back to health. He names Elisha as his mentee. And then as he's walking with Elisha, a chariot of fire comes, takes him away. He never got to see the kingdom come you see Moses and Elisha they're they're here and God is talking to them and he's saying what you couldn't be I am what you couldn't deliver I will your life of heartbreak and disappointment is now found in joy and satisfaction in knowing that I am here I'm the fulfillment of what you could never be praise God and he says here's my departure here's how it's going to go down but you know Moses and Elisha are like okay let's go what's going on I'm going to go to the cross. What? I'm going to bleed for the sins of man. Now, what? And then I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. Then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to defeat death. This is going to be the great fulfillment of the kingdom of God. This victory had to come through the unseen realm. He had to go punch Satan in the face. Amen? He had to win at the cross. He had to. He had to beat death. This is the great plan. And as Elijah and Moses were sitting there next to, him, they're just like, "This is it. This is the gospel. This is exactly what we've been waiting for." That's what the unseen realm was all about. You notice they weren't talking about how cool they were with glorified bodies. Hey, this is awesome. We're glorified. You're glorified. We're all glorified. This is amazing. Rabbit trails? No. The unseen realm is meant to point you to Jesus. The unseen realm is meant to point you to the cross. The unseen realm is meant to grab your heart and grip you with greatness and glory, the glory of the gospel. And if your study of the unseen realm is not leading you to the cross of Jesus Christ, you're doing it wrong. The unseen realm speaks about the gospel. And the last point, the unseen realm carries with it a big impact. It is impacting. Verses 32 through 36. Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep when they became fully awake. They saw his glory. And they saw these men parting and they said, Master, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tents. One for you, Moses and Elijah. Let's do it. Seeing the glory of Jesus, the unseen realm, just a minute of of looking at it, changed their life forever. Peter, James, and John were never the same. They saw what we long to see. Don't you long to see this, Christian? You long to see Jesus. You long to see him in his glory. They got to see it, and it impacted the rest of the years that God gave them on the earth. Peter and James and John had fallen asleep while Jesus was praying. This seems to be a theme in their life. And then what a shock to wake up to Jesus glorified, and Moses and Elijah, oh my goodness, right? Right? Which means the moral of the story is never fall asleep at a prayer meeting led by Jesus Christ. Never. Just stay awake, man. You never know what you're going to get or not get here, right? So what, what are they doing? Well, John is quiet. James is quiet. And old Peter, he's got to say something, doesn't he? I love Peter. Praise the Lord for him. He's I had nothing, was like, nothing. Something's got to come out of my head. This is good that we're here, Lord. This is amazing. John MacArthur, in his commentary, said, this is staggering self-confidence from Peter. (laughs) Staggering. Because you're seeing glory and you're still moving your mouth. That's an amazing accomplishment. But what is Peter doing? (laughs) Let's build some tabernacles. Doesn't that seem weird? Let's build tabernacles. That's odd. He's saying that because the Feast of Tabernacles was happening at that time. So Peter is like, this is it, this is the fulfillment that God is tabernacling with his people. This is the glory, this is the kingdom, this is the the fulfillment of all that we are. This is going to mean Rome is defeated and world domination, and let's just build these tabernacles and just stay here and worship forever. Not a bad impulse by Peter. But God the Father comes up and says, shh, quiet, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And oh, by the way, on the way down the mountain, you don't get to say this to anybody. Can you imagine being those three guys? Like, we just saw this thing. Quiet. You can't say anything about it. Oh, what a bummer. You want to say something so bad? But I think Jesus is just like, you're going to mess this up, so just be quiet. Talk about it later. It impacted their lives forever. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Peter, as an old man, said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 and 18, he said, We didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What's that? That's the transfiguration reference right there. Peter's an old man. He's like, I still remember it. Like it was yesterday. This glory that we saw. And then John also said that. John never forgot about it either. John chapter one, verse 14, one of the most famous Bible verses, you probably all have it memorized. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You guys, they never lost the impact, ever. And I just wanna close the sermon by saying this, When you see the glory of God this way, it'll impact the rest of your life. When you see the unseen realm for what the Bible says that it is, It should lead you to Jesus Christ and an exalted view of Jesus that leaves you stamped with an impact that you will always have with you for the rest of your life. I remember still to this day when I got saved 24 years ago, July 6, 1999, and I remember being in New York City, and I remember being in the back of this room, a thousand kids there, a kid from Texas is sharing the gospel on the stage, and he's just sharing a very simple gospel. I was running a thousand miles in the wrong direction, full of pride, selfishness, and unbelief. And that simple gospel wrecked my life. Next thing I know, I'm on the, I'm on the back. There's no, there's no just as I am. I'm in the back of this room on my knees weeping, repenting, and believing in Jesus Christ. And all I saw was light. It's like it was yesterday. When you see the unseen realm like that, it will have an impact on your life for the rest of your life. And for those of you who know Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So as we close, the Bible speaks about the unseen realm and all of its activity and all of its power. Christians need to know with 100% confidence that Jesus wins, he's going to win, amen? He's going to win. You can believe it. A hundred percent you can believe that he's going to win. So Christian, go out with confidence. You're going to get hit with a lot of headlines and a lot of static and a lot of information this week. Walk with confidence in the unseen realm and what Jesus says. The unseen realm is real. It's glorious. It's gospel-centered, and it's impacting. And for those of you who do not yet know Jesus, oh my, oh my. I hope you just could... Be introduced to him today. He's glorious. He's in heaven. And for some of you, you need to repent and believe in him. It's all real. The resurrection is real, and he's ready to forgive any person that will come to him with humility. May God do it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time and the word. Thank you for this amazing truth about the transfiguration and the unseen realm. Oh, God. Wake us up as Western Christians, materialistic, agnostic, atheistic, pragmatic, all those things, God. We are all those things, but oh, Lord, how we need to be swept up with confidence in your glory, Jesus. So, Lord, may may Christians just sense that, some decisions that need to be made in their lives today an experience of your glory a love for the cross and the resurrection, hope that goes beyond this life. And Lord, for those few who may not know Jesus, Lord, would you draw them in? You are glorious, you are resurrected, and you are drawing in any sinner that will repent and believe in the gospel. So Lord, may you move even one person to saving faith. Do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.